Welcome back to Lords of Order, the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is a spoiler podcast, so uh, be aware of that as we get into our main topic today, which is All-Star Squadron 47. If you do want to leave any feedback about this episode or prior episodes, you can send that to the Dr. Fake Podcast at gmail.com. The website is bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate, and that's D-R, Doctor. And the Lords of Order can be found on Facebook and Google+. Now, this issue of All-Star Squadron, issue 47, dated July 1985 and entitled The Secret Origin of Dr. Fate. Well, that's convenient, because that's who we're talking about today. It's written by Roy Thomas, art by Mark Mike Clark, and, of interest to me, Todd McFarlane, Inks by Vince Coletta, colors by Gene D'Angelo, and letters by Cody. Just one word, Cody. Uh, back to Todd McFarlane. I've always been a really big fan of Todd McFarlane's art. Not so much his writing style, but his art. I've always enjoyed it. So looking at the cover here, we see that um, several different things are going on here. We have a, a, a small little book like background uh, where the title of the issue is. We see a little uh, mark here for the 50th anniversary of DC, 1935 to 1985. On the cover, though, uh, the majority of the cover is covered by an onk. Uh, Superimposed on the onk is Dr. Fate as we know him, the blue and yellow costume full helmet. And then in each of the quadrants, basically, of the comic book not covered by the onk, we have scenes... Uh, almost exactly as they are depicted inside. And for the story, we see that Dr. Fate and Starman, on a trip elsewhere, stopped by the All-Star Squadron headquarters. Oh, excuse me, they're on their way to the monthly JSA meeting. Uh, they stop at the All-Star Squadron headquarters. Um, Starman has talked Dr. Fate into participating in a project that the Tarantula has had going um, for quite a while. I, I used to read All-Star Squadron. I um, I stopped uh, prior to this particular book, so this is the first time I've read this. Uh, but the Tarantula is a hero. He's a very street-level hero, dressed in browns and blacks with uh, guns. And he's writing a book about the secret origin of superheroes. And he's always moonlighting on it. It's it's never finished. And it's always, um, I believe, Roy Thomas's opportunity to get into the origin of a hero basically whenever he wants to because all he has to do is tie it into what this character in the book is doing as far as writing his book. And it's conveniently available, an opportunity to go into an origin story. So... Uh, Dr. Fate and Tarantula step aside here into a room. Uh, Tarantula fires up the wire recorder. I'm not sure I've ever heard of that sort of thing, but there we go. And Dr. Fate takes off. Now, the framing pages uh, are what is done by Mike Clark. Dr. Fate's rendition of his origin is what is done by Todd McFarlane. So he... um, he being Kent Nelson, Dr. Fate. Um, uh, let me talk about uh, Dr. Fate here for a moment. Uh, he is wearing all the typical trapments except his helmet. Here uh, he has chosen, uh, it, it's in the stage in his career where he is wearing the half helmet, the 
lower nose, beneath the nose all the way down to the chin around to the uh, both earlobes is exposed. He says uh, at the end of the story that he's made this change because he was having issues with the full helmet and maintaining his identity as Kent Nelson in the face of what Nabu is, what Nabu was doing, however their relationship was. And so actually this helmet is a completely different helmet. He is not wearing Fate's helmet anymore. He's wearing this half helmet. Now, uh, the majority, of, of, for various reasons, of Dr. Fate's powers apparently resides in that full helmet. Um, it is the source of the power. It is where Nabu resides. Nabu, there, there's a, a host of uh, attempted explanations for exactly what the relationship is between Nabu and the helmet and Kent Nelson. So at this point, uh, it is being written that the presence of Nabu is linked, uh, is anchored by the helmet. And so without the helmet, Kent Nelson does not have Nabu's presence. Unfortunately, he also does not have the full powers of being um, connected or inhabited by a Lord of Order. But there is enough residual power in Kent Nelson, the person, uh, that he is able to do some of the Dr. Fate-like things still, even without the full, I said vestments, I apologize, I meant raiments, I believe would be the more accurate word, without the full raiments of Dr. Fate, uh, the missing portion being the helmet. He still has the uh, gloves, the cape, the blue and yellow outfit, the amulet, so interesting stage uh, of his career, hopefully that we'll get into in more detail as we go through his uh, personal chronology. But the story opens around 1918, 1919, uh, the end of World War I, excuse me, 1920, we, we settle on a date here, and there is a British expedition to Mesopotamia to start unearthing for the first time the ancient city of Mesopotamia. Primarily the pyramid that is found in the city of Ur. The first pyramid discovered outside of Egypt and all their spots there. So, uh, uh, of interest to me was that originally the person that was supposed to excavate this pyramid was named H.R. Hall. But because of his death... The project was given to Dr. Sven Nelson, who is Kent Nelson's father. Now, the name H.R. Hall, I didn't research it to find out, but I do recall that Hall is the last name of the incarnation of Hawkman that I am familiar with. There have been many and, and varied. So I wonder if there is some connection between this Hall and uh, Carter Hall, or Katar Hall, or whichever pronunciation you want to go with, but this, the incarnation that they pretty much have settled on now. Uh, if there is, then there, would, there could very loosely be a link between Hawkman's mythos and Dr. Fate's mythos, which off the top of my head I don't believe I've ever run into. As we continue, though, um, we have the young 12-year-old Kent here with his dad, who was recently appointed the uh, uh, master digger on this site, as it were. Uh, everyone there uh, in, in a 
a help position, the quote-unquote natives, the locals that are hired for archaeological expeditions, they didn't want to have anything to do with this. They knew that, uh, you know, besides the fact that here's a pyramid when where there aren't supposed to be any pyramids, supposed to be is a loose word, but, you know, typically aren't, uh, their folklore also told them that there was something wrong, something off with this pyramid. But Sven persevered, broke into it. Uh, we see him and Kent looking around. Uh, Sven gets interested over here with this. Kent gets, gets interested over here with that. And they kind of they, they pull apart uh, in their uh, exploring. Uh, Kent comes upon a rather large figure that looks um, human. Not only human, but they look... Um, uh, re- real, they uh, flesh. They look. Uh, he he looks flesh, not like a statue of any sort or a drawing or anything like that. And as he uh, gets closer to the figure, suddenly the figure's eyes glow. And as uh, as he's trying to to run away, Kent um, flips a switch, uh, thinking that it will do something to the giant man, and it does because it causes the giant man to to jump out and wake up. Now, this giant man is dressed very much like um, an ancient Egyptian. He's got a very close-cut white beard. He's got a mustache. But he's got the uh, raiments that you would associate with uh, movie Egyptians, uh, the the head covering, uh, the, the type of, of body covering, the skirtish type of thing, and, and a... Uh, a piece coming down the the front of his groin that actually looks like a, a giant tie, uh, but I don't think it's a tie. And this figure jumps out at uh, Sven, and Sven runs away, runs to where his father is, and finds out that his dad is sick. Uh, this figure that has uh, animated tells him that the his father is dead. And that there's not anything he can do. He, he can do a great many things because he is Nabu the Wise. But he can't bring the boy's father back. And so the boy kind of trips out and um, is caught between trying to get away from this mysterious figure. But also wanting to get his father back. Nabu, with a very simple incantation apparently, um, erases the boy's grief. I don't know if he... Uh, covers it or turns it off, but the boy no longer suffers from it. And at this point, Nabu leads the boy out of the pyramid, and Kent, in retrospect, notices some things. He says, I hardly noticed at first that the pyramid had disappeared as if it had never existed. Uh, and then he, he's telling Tarantula, Nabu buried my father with huge but gentle hands and carved his name upon the tombstone with strong bare fingers. And on the tombstone it says, Rest, dear father Sven Nelson. Uh, The boy once again turns on him, but his his grief is uh, very fleeting because it's been taken away. It was kind of just like a, almost like a momentary relapse. And then Nabu tells him, you know, come on, we have a lot to learn. Several pages of Nabu uh, panels, excuse me, of Nabu teaching Kent, young Kent Nelson, and finally we uh, we get to a point where they're inside a structure. Kent has learned everything, 
Uh, Nabu has taught him everything that he can, either way. And there's one final thing that he must do. And in order to do that, uh, Nabu releases the inhibitors on the boy's guilt to where he feels the guilt full force uh, once again, suddenly. And Kent, in his new gained powers, lashes out in such a way that he destroys the body of Nabu, but leaves or releases, um, uh, however you personally would want to to think about it, but what is left is this uh, floating energy sphere with... uh, orange sphere with yellow bands around it in two or three geometric patterns. Uh, this now is Nabu, and he goes about um, telepathically, I would assume, although we do see text bubbles, telling the boy about his origin, and his origin is tied to an alien planet named Cilia, C-I-L-I-A, and how he is an exiled Lord of Order, how Nabu is, and that he took the shape of uh, a man, human shape, in order to fit in with the men uh, that were on the planet at the time that Nabu was exiled. And the way they write this, um, I saw the sunless planet Cilia swinging in her orbit past the Earth. So a Apparently, the intersection of Earth and Cilia um, is periodic. It, it comes and goes. So, uh, at this time, it is as if they were uh, closest together in their two orbits. But I have not heard that we have passed by Cilia since. So, I'm kind of curious what happened to the planet. And we see that Nabu is here on Earth in the Egyptian world. He has great power and he is given great respect. And in return, he does great things for the men of Egypt. Uh, particularly that he was probably instrumental by the looks of it in the building of the pyramid. Uh, he was able to move the large blocks that was used. Uh, at this time, he hands off to Kent and Nelson those uh, items the raiment uh, that have come to be associated with Dr. Fate, the cloak, the gloves, the amulet, which is the same amulet that Nabu has been wearing during his training of Kent, I noticed, and the uh, full face helmet that we have come to associate with most incarnations of Dr. Fate. And then that was all he heard from Nabu. Um, uh, Nabu the Sphere. Now, he still is hearing Nabu in his head, um, I guess is what it is. It's in his head. Again, it's, it, there are text bubbles, but you don't know if that is um, a telepathic voice, if it's you know just uh, urgings within it. You, you don't necessarily understand the full implication of, at this point, of Nabu and Kent Nelson, what their, what their relationship is. But He tells Kent that he must go to Alexandria because that is where the library was. And there is one more uh, secret, one more uh, piece of information about Dr. Fate that would would benefit Kent Nelson greatly to get. So Nabu 
indicates that he needs to go to Alexandria. On the way there, though, Dr. Fate encounters other uh, feelings, as it were, other sensations, something evil, something as evil as he is not. Um, So he notices this and veers off his path in the direction that those impressions seem to be emanating from. He comes upon a a crashed vehicle with a dead uh, local, a guide there, and he does some mamba-jamba here and uh, calls on the name of Ishtar, Isis, and Osiris, uh, who I, I wasn't aware that they were lords of order, but apparently, I mean, I know they're Egyptian gods, but I wasn't aware necessarily that the lords of chaos and order were tied that closely into the Egyptian gods. Uh, nonetheless. And he he basically is um, asking for clarification, a, uh, a concentration kind of spell to concentrate these energies. And it creates a crystal orb in which he sees for the first time a the female who we will come to know as Inza and also the face of Wotan uh, pops up in the crystal also uh, both apparently in the same place the woman intrigues him but the face of Wotan he realizes and recognizes this is the evilness that I feel and uh, you know where where I'm going, what is leading me in this direction. So he continues to follow his uh, his impulses until he comes upon a tower uh, with no windows, no doors, no external uh, portals at all, uh, sitting in the middle of the desert. So as he comes upon it, he weaves a little spell to allow him to uh, pass through, to phase through the walls, and he pops up inside. Uh, here he faces off against Wotan. Wotan knew he was coming. Uh, he's asking Fate, you know, what's, what's your deal with the girl? And Fate says, well, I, you know, honestly, I don't know. I'm, I'm not big on, uh, you know, male-female thingies. I just know that she's going to be important. And Wotan tells him, well, basically, if she's important, then you're going to have to take her from me. And I don't think you can. But rather than doing that, why don't we become allies? Because with Nabu gone, the two of us could do anything we want. Um, Nabu's presence uh, in with Kent Nelson, the the two of them together, I guess, being what we call Dr. Fate, uh, indicates to Kent that this isn't a good thing. So Kate, uh, Kent excuse me, responds that they will uh, have to settle this here and now that... Uh, you're evil, and I can't let that go. So Wotan strikes first with a big uh, super whammy here that throws Dr. Fate through the wall out into the desert somewhere. Wotan takes a, an opportunity here to speak to the woman, asks who she is. She tells him she's Inza Kramer, uh, an American college student who was touring Egypt. Um, she She doesn't know why he would be interested in her, she says. And Wotan says, well, actually, you know, I don't know either. But there is just something interesting. Um, let, let's go explore this and find out more about what's going on. So he puts her in this sphere to transport her and flies off with her, uh, trailing behind him, runs into Dr. Fate, 
they have a, a knockdown drag out here which fate uh, succumbs to Wotan's power. Fate being uh, new, I guess, to the wielding of his power is what you know what you would gather from this. He's not in full command, full control of it, so he he can't keep up with Wotan. And so Wotan ultimately uh, puts him on the verge of death. He's not quite dead, but you know it's it's only moments away. Uh, Inza, in their fight, has been released from her bubble because I would assume that Wotan's concentration allowed this spell to drop while he was fighting Dr. Fate. She runs to Kent Nelson and grieves for him, again, not exactly knowing why. And in her grieving, a single tear, um, what does it say here? It was a tear full of compassion, compassion for all mankind, but most especially for the unnamed yet very human person she cradled in her slender arms. Oh, brother. So uh, this tear woke him up, whatever, um, and Inza and Wotan both noticed this change in Dr. Fate's demeanor from his uh, reawakening or his reemergence or whatever you want to call it. So then he turns around and in a heroic fashion, uh, the great comeback, uh, defeats Wotan. He says he disintegrated him and sent his very atoms careening to the farthest corner of a far-flung cosmos. Uh, also, he retreats a little bit back to the tower and completely wipes out the tower. Goes and picks up Inza, and they fly off into the sunrise, as it were. And thus is the origin of Dr. Fate. Um, as they're finishing up here, uh, our man comes in saying that the All-Star Squadron has a mission and we see Starman saying that uh, Hawkman has called to check on Dr. Fate and Starman as to where they are. I guess they're kind of running late for their meeting. And that's where the story ends. So some interesting little tidbits there, some interesting little uh, nuance changes, I guess, in the uh, in parts of the origin of Dr. Fate. Uh, the young boy, separation from his dad, finding uh, Nabu, everything like that is is the same. To me, uh, if I recall, what differs is the depiction of his and Wotan's battle. Uh, throughout, uh, which I didn't mention in this rendition, Wotan knew of Dr. Fate and was remarking as if Dr. Fate was trying some ploy that Dr. Fate did not know of Wotan. So we have the uh, implications of a longer-running feud there than Kent remembers, which could be the Nabu entity is who uh, directs Dr. Fate. He's in control of Dr. Fate, almost like the um, like Nabu needs an avatar, but we know that's not the case because Nabu was in Egypt himself. He wasn't working through someone, an agent. He was there himself. So I'm not still kind of confusing to me as to why Dr. Fate, um, why Nabu needs an agent now, whereas previously he didn't. Why why can Nabu not be uh, 
you know, a million-year-old person and be our Dr. Fate. I guess that would be, that would very much take out a humanizing aspect of the character. So, okay, so there we go. Uh, next issue, next episode, rather, we will be talking about the New 52 Earth 2, issue 14. So, those of you that have been following that series, there is our topic Send me some feedback, let me know you guys are listening, and hopefully I will talk to you again next time. Bye. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0 unported license. 